he said, I won't leave you by yourself, but I'll send you the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. He will be with you forever. And he, and he will come and live in you and will be with you forever. So you see you have the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Um, you have Jesus, Yeshua, the Son. Yeshua. And Yeshua. Jesus' name is Yeshua. That's how you say his name in Hebrew. Um, there are no J's in Hebrew. And actually, the letter J was invented in uh, like the 1400s. So, Yeshua. So his name is actually Yeshua. That's how you say it. And um, Yeshua is his, that is his name. Um, but he is Yeshua Mashiach. So he's Yeshua the Messiah. Not Jesus or anything like that. Jesus would be how you would say Jesus with the J in Spanish. But the actual word is Yeshua. That is how his proper name. And so you can use his name. You can say Jesus. They, he knows what you're right. talking to. Because right. remember, when you're calling on his name, you're calling from your heart, not from the interpretation of your words in a, in a language. It's your, your heart speaks its own language. Correct. I always believe that. I mean, it does. It's, it, it's a language of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So when you call on the name of the Lord, regardless of what you know that name to be at the time, because you are calling on his name, because the Lord, the name Lord that we see in the Scripture... When you see it with all capital letters, that's the actual proper name for God. And his name is Yahweh. Yahweh, right. You know, so whenever you say the Lord, it really is Yahweh. How do you spell Yahweh, It's Y-H-W-H. It has no vowels in it. Okay. So it's Yahweh, and that's how you pronounce it. Um, And there are, actually, there's some ancient pronunciations as well of that name that my dad told me about, but I cannot remember what they are right now. Um, But when you say Yahweh... You're saying God's name. God, the word God, is is German, Gott. And it is based on another God that's not our God. (laughs) So, you know, if you'll think about, you know, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think I think he's like um, he's a powerful lower realm being, but it doesn't have anything to do with Yahweh. Yahweh. So Yahweh revealed his name to um, Abraham, and he revealed his name to Moses, you know, and so we have his name. And, you know, you know a person by their name. Right. So if you want to know who he is, you know him by his name. So his name is Yahweh. Uh-huh. His son is Yeshua, Mashiach. He's the, he's the Christ, the anointed one, is Yeshua. So he was, Yeshua. so Yeshua, the name Jesus, was a common name, just like John, Bob, Bill, whatever. You know, so, you know, you see that name, but it's Yeshua Mashiach. So it's Jesus the Christ. Yeshua Mashiach? Mashiach is Messiah. Mashiach. Yeah. So Jesus the Messiah, Yeshua Mashiach. So you have, um, he's the one that was sent from God Mm -hmm. to earth. You see? So, and so that's who Yeshua is. And so when we see like today's Palm Sunday, so you see they come in to Jerusalem with the palms, um, you know, and this was a type of the Feast of, um, I think this one is the Feast of Tabernacles, you know, which was a, which was a celebration. It's a celebration. Think about this. Right. You know, when, when Jesus was on the earth and he comes in riding on the donkey's coal, you know, they're celebrating. It's mm-hmm. done. It's complete. They're not waiting for something in the future. You know, people are like, when is Jesus going to save us? He did. <laughs> 
existence. <laughs> you, exactly. Just acknowledge that he's come. Uh-huh. You know, what is the gospel all about? The gospel's about the fact that you're acknowledging that he's here, that he's come, that, that salvation is for everyone. We're not waiting for some future salvation. You have it. You're powerful, you know, and, and people are powerful to resist too, unfortunately. Uh-huh. And a lot of times people resist a long time. Sometimes they resist because they don't know any better. They just don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, when they were crucifying Jesus, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Right. They just don't, have no idea what they're doing. They're, they're, they're like kids that have no idea. This is why God, this is why you don't give your kid a flamethrower. Right. Because <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. Right. <laughs> they're going to burn the house down and everyone else's house because you just gave them a flamethrower. You know, so, so there's certain things that, you know, God has put us within a place that is a place where we can learn. And we, we call that the earth mm-hmm. and the creation in general. There's a place that we can learn because we can't break too many things, mm-hmm. but we could break a few things, but not, not things he can't fix. Mm-hmm. He heals our body. Right. He raises the dead. He so some of the anything. so some of the worst things that we could possibly do in the playground, he actually does have an answer for that. Mm-hmm. But there are more things in the future that he will show us beyond this creation. You think this is the creation, this is the only one. No, it's obviously not the only creation. He's created other things. I mean, if you look in the book of Revelation, you find out that there are some other creatures he created that are really odd looking. And we've never seen anything like that here on the earth, but they are in heaven. They're odd to us. But one day, they'll be normal to us. And we'll be like, yeah, I know about those. Those are different kind of creatures. They're heavenly beings. (laughs) So we are learning a lot. Yeah. What we are learning, though, mm-hmm. uh, can be um, added to in the future. With Absolutely. Added to. We're, what we're learning is going to be added to, right. and we will learn more things in the future about what it is that God is doing in all of creation. Mm-hmm. But right now, we're in this kind of little playroom right. or playground because right. it's a bigger playground, and it's called the, this creation and the earth. And the earth is very special to God. So it's not just a throwaway thing. It's very special. And the earth and all the creation itself is already in God. God doesn't create things that he's not in. So, all, so if you think of God when he, when he said, let there be light and let the light separate from the darkness, all that, he didn't like do that over in some place else. Right. All of that, all of the creation is inside of God. You can't go away from God. You're in him. People are like, I don't see God. I don't see God. I'd be like, yeah, right. well, you can do that if you want. But, you're, right. but all of your, all the creation is in him. There's nothing that was made that was made apart from him. What's this thing? You've seen that picture of the whole earth and it's sitting yes. inside of God's hands. Yes. That's real. I believe that's, that's really, real. really God. And then he puts it into inside of him. So if you don't see anything... It's actually because you're inside. Because you're inside of it. I'm on the inside. You can't see that you... I've and seen like all white. And, mm-hmm. and I've, see, I've seen like out into the expanse of... And I know that he's all around all of that. He's, right. he's he There's is. no place you can go. The Bible says that he's not there. Right. So there's no way right you're ever up. like right here all by yourself. Mm-hmm. He's with us. He's like... He's in us, and we're in him, literally. Literally, right? Literally, we are literally in him. This is this is not poetic language. It's not like we have to poet poetically describe how much God loves us, and we're going to say that. No, you are in him. Mm -hmm. Now, the creation itself is in him. the 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 fabric of the of the creation is held together. And if you study in in science, and they get down to the very smallest particles that hold, you may have heard about the Higgs boson. 
uh, uh, um, particle that they found with the yeah. with the super super hydro, uh, super collider, oh. and um, so they found this fabric okay. that holds it together. So they're looking at what it looks like from quantum physics, and then it disappears. And so God created all of that, and He's the one that help, holds it together. He created the fabric that holds what we call reality. And it's basically the material reality because there's more than one reality. I mean, people have imaginations. Mm -hmm. Those are false realities. But there are actually dimensional realities in the spirit. Now, imagination is good because it's a gate into those other places Mm -hmm. that are real places. Okay. So as we're learning about who we are in Christ, we realize that Jesus is the door and he's in us, mm-hmm. we can go into the love of God at any time we want. And, and a lot of times, the way I say it is, you know, you can think about a lot of things, but what, what about we think about how much God loves us? Mm-hmm. Think about that for a little while. Let, just let your mind kind of fill in on that. On it Meditate on it. Think about it for a little bit, you know. And you'll be like, well, what about all them people? Well, who cares? Because God loves you. <laughs> Because a lot of times our imagination goes into places that it should not go. Mm-hmm. I'm just letting you know because we're not trained. Sure. So we put our imagination on a thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing that God told us to think about. It's a thing that we came up with. Right. A lot of times it's based on a trigger. A trigger. Hmm. Now what is a trigger? A trigger is a small thought that creates a big impact. You know what else is small? What? A seed. A seed is a small thing that creates a big thing. Correct. A thought is the same way. It's a small thing that creates a big thing. Okay? Mm-hmm. So what God has done is he said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts, says the Lord. Why did he say that? Because he's letting us know that thoughts that we create apart from him mm-hmm. are, are, are not on the same level. Right. Okay? So what he did is in the scripture, it says, but you have been given the mind of Christ. Mm -hmm. And the mind of Christ is what our thoughts now center in on, Mm -hmm. not on our own frail attempts to think about a thing. Okay. So we try to do a thing. We try to be imitate God in Mm ourselves without going to him. And when we do that, those thoughts are low. And you see people do that. What did they do at the beginning in Genesis? We're going to build us a tower and it's going to go to the heavens and we're going to be like God. That is a lower thought, okay? Now, what are they doing? They're creating some false God out of their, out of their own mind. That God does not exist. They made him up completely from scratch out of their own imagination. Then they went outside they cut down a tree and carved it into an image and bowed down and worshipped it. That's really dumb. But guess what? We say to ourselves, we're so advanced now. We don't do that silly, superstitious thing anymore. Mm-hmm. But what do we worship? The mind? The intellect? We do. I, you need to convince me, Jamin, about God's existence. Convince me with thoughts. Well, what have your thoughts done for you? You think your thoughts are your savior? You think that if I give you a convincing enough argument, you'll believe in God? Because I'll tell you right now, you won't. Well, if God would just put a sign in the sky, they'll believe. No, they won't. He's done it already. He's done plenty of signs. He does signs all the time. He's a continual sign maker. (laughs) 
And not because he's trying to prove anything. It's just because he likes to send us little messages to remind us how much he loves us. Mm -hmm. That's what he does all the time. So when a person sets themselves to bow down and worship their own mind, mm -hmm. there's no getting out of that. It's the same as cutting down a tree and carving it into an image and bowing down and worshiping it. But we're so enlightened. We're so advanced. And yet we're not. Because we're intellectually smart and spiritually morons. Total morons. Mm -hmm. I'm watching these guys in science create things. I see they're feeding it sin. And now they're all scared because the thing is now coming against them in science. And I said, it's because you're feeding it sin. It's a spiritual thing you're doing with this device. Mm -hmm. And now it's producing garbage that's dangerous to humanity yeah. because you are spiritually idiots. Mm -hmm. You're spiritual idiots because you haven't acknowledged your own creation. Now, science came from men who, who knew God. That's where the whole idea of science, because science is literally 500 years old. Everyone's like, oh, science is up. Science is 500 years old. And it was founded by men who knew God. Sir Isaac Newton. You know, you have inventors all throughout time. Now, over time, man enlightened himself. Oh, good job, Mr. Fake Light. You've enlightened yourself, but you're still a spiritual idiot mm -hmm. because you haven't acknowledged Jesus. And I just mean that in the nicest sense of the word, mm -hmm. but in reality, it is moronic yeah. to do the things that they do. Mm -hmm. You know, so when we acknowledge God, he directs our paths. When we don't acknowledge God, we create a Tower of Babel and get confused. Because Towers of Babel always end in confusion. They can't talk to each other. They don't know what's going on. It's always confusing. Why is it confusing? It's because they set themselves to do their own thing in their own mind and created their own God out of their own intellect. Mm -hmm. If I can cut down a tree and make an idol, and then I can make some type of scientific instrument that I also worship and call it my own God, you say, well, why, why would you say it's your God? Well, what do you do with a God? You believe in it. You trust it. Mm -hmm. You trust it to take care of you. You trust it to, to, to punish evildoers that are not in line with what you're doing. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. A God in your own mind is a thing that you worship. It's a thing that you put your faith in. You put your trust in. Mm -hmm. And so with this religion, which is actually has a name, people don't use it, it's called secular humanism. Secular humanism is the biggest religion in the world. Secular humanism actually gave forth an offspring called communism, which is what we see in China and we saw in the Soviet Union and we see it trying to take over America. Secular humanism and communism are together. They are creating, so communism is what? The government is the God, you see? So they want you to bow down and worship the government, you see? So you're either bowing down and worship, so you started with worshiping your own mind, which was a big mistake because... First of all, you have to have a lot of pride to worship your own mind, <laughs> you know. And the second thing was they bowed down and worshiped the government. But who did they not worship? They didn't worship God. And anybody who in, is involved in those type of religions mm -hmm. have to deny God. Why do they have to deny him? Because if you acknowledge him, you're going to have to realize that your God bows down to his God, to him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which means your mind bows down to God, which right. means your government bows down to God. It means everything bows down to God because you've acknowledged him as the <laughs> highest of all. So this is what we're dealing with right now, and this is what's happening in the world, and this is why there's, a, there's chaos, because you're dealing with different lower realm personalities, mm -hmm. spiritual personalities, fighting each other. I'm fighting for this idea. I'm fighting for that idea. 
blah, blah, blah. And everybody's fighting and no one's going low. Nobody's submitting to God in these areas. And that's why there's so much chaos and confusion in the world because they're going about building their own gods out of their own mind, out of their own intellect, out of their own um, imaginations. And it's an imagination that has nothing to do with God. It's an imagination that is completely lost and has no idea what it is, mm-hmm. you know. So we're dealing with that right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, is there an answer? Yeah, the answer is Jesus, Yeshua, <laughs> Mashiach. Like we said, he's the Messiah. He's the savior of the world. In the times of Jesus, when he came to the earth, the political and religious systems of the world were extremely powerful, very powerful. There literally was, we, we go on and on about how the U.S. is so powerful. We weren't as powerful as Rome. Rome crushed everyone that came against it. Unrelentlessly, they would, they would crush them. So Rome was far more powerful than the United States is because the United States helps other countries. Rome conquered them. Rome took over the entire world. It was the world power. Nazi Germany wanted to take over the world, but they weren't able to. They couldn't do it. Rome did it. Rome did it. But those days are gone. Because when Jesus came, he put an end to that. People are still trying because it's taking a while for everyone to realize what happened 2,000 years ago. How did he put an end to it? He put an end to it because he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Because they were waiting for for. Jesus to come, Mashiach, the Messiah to come Mm -hmm. and to destroy all of the enemies of Israel. Mm -hmm. And so he did. He destroyed them. But how did he destroy them? In the spirit, in heaven. So now they they lost their power over people. Because this is why they, why do you think they threw the Christians to the lions? Mm -hmm. They had no way of controlling them. Mm -hmm. The Christians weren't afraid to die. Mm -hmm. So they went. Mm -hmm. So they went. And guess what ended up happening? Christianity took over the entire earth. Wow. It took over the entire earth. And Rome tried to destroy the Christians and couldn't destroy them because the Christians were not afraid. Because all of these lower realm things rule by fear. Mm-hmm. And the Christians aren't afraid because they're loved by their Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. Because they know what happens to them, that they're a spirit, that they're one spirit with the Lord. They couldn't scare them. They could. Why do you think that in communist countries they go after the Christians first? Because the Christians oppose those lower realm spirits. Mm -hmm. So what we're seeing in the world right now is the slow deterioration of every world system, every world government that opposes God. It is completely being dismantled in real time. And it's taking it's taken a couple thousand years to get where we are right now. Mm -hmm. But it's we're coming to the next phase and it is going to be a significant phase. And it's not about, they're trying every which way to mix it up, but they can't. They can't do anything about it. What Jesus did is so complete. He did it in us. Everything comes through us. The changes to the earth come through people. Mm -hmm. They don't come through some cataclysmic event or whatever. God gave the authority to man, to Adam. Adam is the one who's going to change, you know, Adam. But we're not sons of Adam anymore. We're sons of God. And sons of God have authority in heaven and earth through Jesus. So we can do even more than Adam did. <laughs> wow. So it's, it's a lose-lose situation for the old guard. Mm-hmm. 
and they know it. They know that this whole thing is coming apart at the seams. They know they're not going to be able to hold on to the nations. They know they're not going to be able to hold on to the systems of fear that they've put on people for all of these centuries. It's not going to work anymore. It's going to be completely broken. And it's not because everyone's better teachers and we have the internet and all this nonsense. It's because of heaven. This is the light that comes down from above. It's heavenly um, substance that is being opened up and we're coming into another time on the earth where these old things of the world, so it kind of happens in phases because you know like if everything happened immediately, it'd be pretty shocking and you wouldn't be able to enjoy it. It'd be over. over. So we've been given time so we can see this happening over time. What do we have now? Medicines. What are the medicines doing? They're helping people live longer. Yes, they are. Well, why, why do you think we have medicines that help people live longer? Because my God says, which is my brain, we're getting smarter. We're actually not that smart, okay? But what we are getting is revelation. Revelation comes from above. Right. And when there's people, Christian people, yes. some of them are not Christian, but God get, lets his rain fall on the just and the unjust. And we're seeing a big change all over the earth. And so people are getting medicines now that they never had before. I'm seeing where they're able to build buildings like in a day. There's people who don't have places to live in other countries, not like ours. They're able to build them a home instantly. We have all of this. They have shelter. They have food. They have everything taken care of naturally. Their bodies are living longer. So now what do we do with all of that? We become perverse. We do wicked things. No, no, no. We take that and go back up into heaven with it. We give that right back to the Lord and we thank him for the things that he's brought to the earth to allow us to live in peace and allow us to live in a place of prosperity and of of comfort and and of the goodness of God. We are very lucky. We are. We're blessed and it's because of what Jesus did. And so war will go away. We're not going to have war in the future. They're trying to do another war right now. They're always going to try because that's the lower realm. That's how they control the people. True. It's all about controlling them through fear. It's about and it's about um, power and the low, like the greed for money. They people want power and they want means to control everything. But like we were saying the other day, yeah. it's not even yours. All the stuff. Everything that you see here is not yours. It's stuff. It's God's. It's God's. And you're watching it for him. And you say, well, prove it. Well, this is how you know it's not yours. When you leave, if it stays here and you go, it wasn't yours. (laughs) Because you're gone and it's here. Mm -hmm. Usually you take your stuff with you. True. So what is yours? Well, what's yours is actually much greater than what's in the the material realm. What's yours is what's yours in Christ in your spirit and you do take that with you because everything that God does in you is permanent it's permanent it doesn't ever change because he never changes so when God is changing us on the inside and our and our understanding of who we are understanding of who Christ is in us those kind of substances because those are spiritual substances Mm -hmm. they never go away and out of those everything in the material world can change this is malleable this can change But what's internal, which is in the spirit, never changes. Now, is the material good? It is good. It is good because God said it was good. So it's not evil. It's not like we should just do nothing with it. Oh, who cares about the material? (laughs) We shouldn't worship it. We shouldn't cut down a tree, turn it into a God and bow down and worship it. But we should see it in the light of our creation in Christ and appreciate it for what God has brought to us in our physical body. Because our physical body is important to him. 
the physical world is important to him. If the physical world was not important to him, then he would not be treating it the way he does right now. Mm -hmm. That's true. I mean, if something's not important to you, you just get rid of it. Right. And he would just be like, no, we're going to get rid of it. But his grace is so strong. And what he's about to do on the earth is so significant that we can't... We, Ezekiel talked about it. Jeremiah talked about it. Isaiah talked about it. Some of the prophets in the Old Testament talked about it. Jesus talked about it. Paul and Peter, we have witnesses who have seen the future and they see what's going to happen on the earth. Even Peter, he says the old is going to be rolled up like a blanket, just rolled up. And then the new, which is the new heaven, the new earth. So what is it new? What's well, going to change? If our body's going to change, this planet's going to change. And what's going to, it's going to turn into the glory of God. And we're going to see major things happen. So this is where we are right now. This is what's happening in the earth. There is a, a shift, a change in people's hearts, a change in the directions that we're going in, uh, the ability to see things that we couldn't see before, and now we see it. Mm -hmm. People are, are having revelation and light. There's light coming from God where, where, where before there was darkness and we couldn't understand because darkness just means something's hidden. Right. There was darkness, something was hidden. Now it's revealed. And we can see it. You know, the, the Bible says what's whispered in the, in, in the back areas or the back rooms will be shouted from the rooftops. Th things aren't hidden anymore. They're, they're being brought into the light. When you bring something into the light, it can be healed. It can be helped. It can be ministered to. When you take a thing and you hide it away and you don't allow God to work on it, it doesn't grow like it's supposed to. If you take your plants and put them in your closet, they're not going to grow that like they would if you put them outside in the sun. Right. And so this is what's happening is, is the world is being brought out into the sun. And as it's being brought out into the sun, everything that's not God is being exposed and being dealt with. And the things that are him are being nurtured and are growing. And this is just the way that it always is. Because remember, it's a thought. It's a single thought that you have. Mm -hmm. A small seed of a thought that God gives you and that's what I'm going to talk about today. Wow. So in Luke 1, so Luke 1 and verse 3, okay, and I'm going to show this to you in Yeah, just look at it in the King James real quick cuz I want to I want to show you something about um so this is just the King James. I have new King James, but they removed it from my thing. I was going to give you that one, but anyway, this will be enough. Okay, so this is the Gospel of Luke. So this is uh, Luke's Gospel, and um, it's one of the four Gospels. It's actually one of the three Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, they they kind of run together, whereas John kind of looks at it from a different uh, perspective. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic, so they kind of follow the same pattern. But, you know, you always think to yourself, you know, I have to talk to God and get direction for my life, make sure I'm doing the right thing and not doing the wrong thing. <laughs> Nobody wants to do the wrong thing. You want to do the right thing and the right thing, because the right thing means, you know, is, this is what you get a lot of times. Is God with us? <laughs> Is he with us on this? Because if he's not, I don't want to do it, right? Yeah, we want to go to heaven, and we want it to be blessed, right? People want God's blessing on what they're doing. And 
you know, these are questions that everybody asks. Christians and non-Christians, people who don't even really acknowledge Jesus as much, they're just like, I would like to know what Jesus thinks about this. Like, even though I don't, what do you think he thinks about it, basically, you know, as a as a Christian? Um, they want to know your opinion. And, and this is ages old because we always have this idea that somehow or another we screwed up enough that we have no idea what's happening. And God's doing something and we're probably doing something wrong but we don't know what it is because we're so wrong, we don't even know how wrong we are. And some people think that, and some people think about it so much, they're like, you know what, I'm not even going to try anymore, and I'm just going to do whatever I want, regardless of what I think God thinks about it. Well, that's a mistake, <laughs> because then you start doing stuff you shouldn't have been doing, okay? But the whole point is this. That whole line of questioning is off in general, because you have to understand a few things about yourself. Number one, you weren't your own idea. You were God's idea. God thought about you before time began. He was excited about you. He actually wrote a book about you, about your life, and about all the cool things that you would do in your life. And he was so excited about you. And he got so pumped up and excited about you being born that you were born. Because he's pretty ex excited about the things that he makes. He's pretty excited about the things that he's done. And he does not, um, he's not disappointed in you. He's not, he's not. He, he is, he loves you and is in love with you and who you are in him from his heart. And he thinks about you all the time. And he thinks good things about you all the time. Now, us, on the other hand, <laughs> that's a different story. We fluctuate quite a bit. We move around quite a bit. We might think good thoughts, bad thoughts. We might have good emotions, bad emotions. We move around. Now, what that part of us that's moving around, that's called our soul. It's our mind, will, and emotions. And our soul, think of your soul as kind of an untrained young child that tends to be very exuberant about the wrong things. And... As we're growing in our relationship with God, he's revealing to us who we really are. And as he reveals to us who we really are, that knowledge is kind of funneling down into our soul. And it's causing our soul to come into a place of rest. Why is that? Because some of the biggest news that you find out when you find out who you really are is that Jesus himself took you into himself and raised you up and to be seated with him in heaven. And so now because we are seated in him, seated with him in heaven, we can put our thoughts above. Okay, so today I'm talking about a thought. <laughs> One thought. A thought. Because we can put our thoughts above. That's many thoughts. But I want to talk about a thought. And here's, a, here's how I want to look at it. Okay. So in Luke 1, so again, I said Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospels. They kind of go together. You know, you can find this story here. Here, if you get the parallel Bible, you'll have Matthew, Mark, and Larry, and then it just kind of go down in order. John out. John talks about it, but the way he talks about it and the order he ta talks about it is different. And he has some things that he talks about Jesus' life that weren't in Matthew um, and Mark and Luke. So, so, but Luke, so he's not even an outlier. He's part of the synoptic, right? So, and John by any, is definitely not an outlier. John is like right here next to the heart. 
but as far as far as the narrative as far as the how the how the events were relayed so look at this so how, why did luke write the gospel of luke did you ever think about that you know like a, an angel appeared to mary you know an angel appeared to joseph you know, you, you had some pretty, you know, there were angels singing in a choir, you know, in heaven with the shepherds with some pretty significant signs. You know, it's going to be hard to not have a sign for something that big, honestly, because it's like universally huge. Um, but here's Luke. And Luke's just said in Luke 1, chapter 1, verse 3, it seemed good to me. Also, having had perfect understanding of all the things from the very first. In other words, I was hanging out with Jesus the whole time. Um, it just seemed good to me to write to you, Theophilus. Just seemed like a good idea. <laughs> Why not? And what does it turn into? The Gospel of Luke. Because Luke said, I think this is a good idea. I think I'm just going to write you about all the things that happened because I was there. So this letter was read in the churches. You know, this one that he wrote here about the life of Jesus. And it's followed us through 2,000 years because Luke thought it was a good idea. Is that spiritual? At the highest level. This is the, this is the message of all of, all of, our, of all the earth. This is the, this is the herald, the gospel of Luke. And he did it because he thought it was a good idea. I think I should just do this. He had a thought. I had a thought. I should do this. One thought. One small little thought created something very large. Okay. Now, each one of the gospel writers obviously had different things happen with them. But I like to bring this up with Luke because a lot of times we're looking for something extraordinary. And it's really inside of the normal. Because the idea came from his own heart. And it came up as a thought. Now, obviously, Luke and these guys, they're pretty tuned in, right? So I, I'm pretty confident that Luke knew that that thought came from the Lord. But it was a thought. And it was a small thought to write a letter to Theophilus. That's it. I'm just going to write this letter. I'm sure Theophilus will enjoy it. Maybe he'll share it with some of his friends. That's it. It's covering the whole world. It is, it is established throughout all of history, world history. It's done. You know, this is the most written, you know, all the Gospels are like this, right? So this was God moving in a major way mm -hmm. through a small thought. You know, and Kim was talking about this a couple weeks ago with when she was in Columbia. And she said, you know, we didn't, because it was just, you know, a small group of them. This wasn't a big group. They weren't like, you know. People, you would say, like, oh, this guy's powerful minister. He's been to all these nations. It's just regular folks. Just going out there with what they had, which you think is small, but it's not small. It's big. You know why it's big? Because it was planted. There's a big difference. I can have a whole bag of seeds, but they don't do anything until I plant them. So a group of people willing to plant the seed that they had created something huge in Colombia for them. And they saw it. Signs and wonders. God was moving in the streets. You know, Evan's out there with this other uh, lady that, that comes here too. 
and and they're ministering to people. God's telling them, you know, Evan was telling us, you know, what about them, Lord? And he'd give them a thought, and he'd share that with them. And then some of them would start crying. How do you know this? God told me he wanted you to know this about your life and that about your life. Just taking that which you have, putting it in the ground, letting it grow. Just a small thought. Think about it. How many of these little thoughts God gives us every day? But what a lot of times we don't feel like they're big enough to do anything about. So we don't do anything. <laughs> this kind of goes along with what I said last week, doesn't it? It's these little thoughts. It's these little things that do big things. Don't despise something because it looks small. Even a thought looks small. But look what a thought did here for Luke. He made the gospel of Luke. Everything starts out as a seed. Everything starts out as a seed. So, what is the seed? Guess who else is a seed? You, your entire body is a seed. The Bible actually says that when you die, your body is put in the ground like a seed. <laughs> and it, what it comes up as is nothing like the seed. It's, it's, it, it's, it's sown in, um, you know, like uh, to be, to be um, it's sown in a way where it can be fallen apart and it's raised incorruptible, the Bible says. So it's, it, it falls into the ground, corruptible. So it could be corrupted. You know, you see bodies have been in the ground a long time. Now they're skeletons. Now they're dust. That's pretty corruptible. It's raised incorruptible. Your spirit? No, your body. Your body's raised incorruptible. What do we think this whole Easter celebration is about? Raised in incorruption. Right. So you have this seed being your body. It's in the ground, and it's raised incorruptible. Now, there are accounts of people whose body actually didn't go into the ground. It, they actually received in their body that the sin was removed from it by Jesus, and the body never even went into the ground, and they were still alive. They never went into the ground. They never fell asleep, as the Bible says. Enoch is one. Elijah is one. Um, there are other accounts of people in um, throughout history where this has happened, and we're going to see more of it. And Paul talks about it. He said, I'll show you a mystery. Not everybody falls asleep. That's what he said. It's pretty clear. Not everybody falls asleep. He didn't say not everybody gets raised at the resurrection. We know that everybody gets raised at the resurrection. He's saying some people don't fall asleep. He know this. I will show you a mystery, but it's a mystery. It's not revealed to everybody, to the, unless you're interested in it. <laughs> not everybody falls asleep. But those who do fall asleep, they are raised at the resurrection, right? So this is what this is about. So it's a small thing. Now, have you ever done a study of the human body in, in biology and in science and all this? Okay, your body's pretty complicated. You know, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's so sophisticated and complicated, they, they still don't understand it at all. Like if they did, they'd have a cure for every disease, right? Because you'd understand the body. Oh, we can cure everything. Why is that? Well, we completely understand how the body works. We just do this, 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 and you're done. If you ever watch sci-fi, science fiction, in some of the science fiction, what do they do? They put them in a little bed, they go with a little scanner, and they'll be like, yep, it's this, 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 done, you're fine, you know? It's repaired. We repaired the body. You're back. You're back to normal. Like they, they have some of the new sci-fi where like they get beaten up, like in in um, 
in like some fight and their face is all disfigured. They'd be like, let's put him in the bed, you know, and then they're, you know, if you watch Star Wars, they have the back to tank, you know, they put them in a back to tank and they're, they're like in this ambiotic fluid and it's healing their body over and stuff. Why do we have that? Well, because we know that at some point the body is going to be incorruptible. It's, it's kind of, it's embedded in your DNA. There's no way around it. You know this, you know that you're made for immortality. And, and, but you're not getting immortality through a back to tank or through science necessarily. Now, again, I am of the understanding that science and, and the um, spirit, they don't run against each other. They work together. Like I was telling Ken the other day, you know, when Jesus went about healing people, he healed people of leprosy. Well, there's actually a cure for leprosy. You can take a medicine and it cures people of leprosy. I used to know a missionary that would go over to Africa and you would give him money and then it would buy doses of this stuff that would cure people of leprosy. There's actually a, a, a scientific way of curing leprosy now. Well, that came from God too. It all comes from him. It's not like, oh, science and God are fighting. Science and God aren't fighting. Why do you think you have science? It's because a whole bunch of people. Science is just, um, it's basically the, the observation of a miracle. You're studying a miracle to see how it worked because it was done long ago. And there's, there, it has its own rules with it. Like, this, like the miracle is so significant that it's got a complex set of rules associated with it and you can actually study that miracle and make, make books and do things with the miracle, <laughs> which is called your human body. <laughs> your body is the miracle. And you can study it and do things with it. That's how significant of a miracle that it is. You see? And that's, that's how you approach those things. And as you do, you'll start to see, you'll start to receive revelation from God. Because when you acknowledge him, he directs you. When you don't acknowledge him, you're in a fight for yourself, with yourself, you know? And, and it's a losing fight because that's not the way you're made. So these little thoughts that God gives us, these little ideas that we have, they seem so insignificant when we first get them, but they're so powerful. And so when they were in Colombia and they're ministering, little thing here, little thing there, little thing here, little thing there, has an impact on an entire city has an impact in an entire region. How is it happening? Because you're taking the thing and you're giving it. What we honor, we get more of. What we dishonor, we don't get anymore. Why is that? Well, because we're basically telling it we don't like it. <laughs> this is why complaining is so terrible. When you complain, you're giving honor to the thing you don't want. When you complain, you're giving honor to the thing you don't want. When you are thankful, you're honoring the thing that you like. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, you could have, you know, a whole bunch of flowers. Three of them, the flowers have fallen. And seven of them, they're still flowers. And you can look at that and say, oh, man, those three flowers were so nice when they were here. Or you can say, man, look at these beautiful flowers, right? But, so what you're doing is you're being thankful for what you do like. And when you do that, you're creating it. You're making more of it. Right. Isn't it neat how that works? So, so, and this is why God said, be fruitful and multiply to Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. He likes us. He thinks the body, the human body is amazing. He loves our bodies. You don't make a house in a place you don't like. He made his house in us. 
That means he likes us. He didn't make his house in our spirit. He made his house in our body. That's pretty significant, you guys. I will make my home in them, and I will be with them. We will make, actually it says we will, because it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You don't see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They, they're, they're together. That's a package deal right there. So you have God in you. You may. Well, I don't know why. People sometimes leave out the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit because, um, you know, in the, in the old the, the, um, Celtic saints in Ireland, when the Holy Spirit, would, who is God, okay, would start to do something like in their group, something would start to happen that they knew was coming because of the Holy Spirit was doing something. Um, they would call it, they would call him, okay, or her, a wild goose. Because you don't really know what's going to happen when it comes to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the, like, least, uh, you can't control the Holy Spirit. You can't, you can't put him in a box. You can't say, this is what the Holy Spirit's going to do. So a lot of churches, you'll see, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, come. Like, I don't know how to get you to come but maybe if we ask we'll get you know what i'm saying it's like this kind of bring them down kind of situation which is which i don't believe is is the right way to handle it but again people have got some traction with that just because i think they're intending to re react and, and interact with the holy spirit so that it does get some some activity because of that type of thing yeah their desire is for for the holy spirit so i think a lot of times within um you know, and I, I guess you're meaning like in traditional church teachings. So, uh, yeah, there is a, there is a teaching in most all denominations of the Holy Spirit. But most denominations don't talk about it. <laughs> they don't talk about the teaching. And I think it's because um, anything that has to do with with. Um, the spirit is is very um unpredictable and a lot of our denominations do not like things that are unpredictable because there is this need to have kind of more of a um organizational effect within their meetings mm -hmm. there needs to be some type of organization and when you bring in the aspect of the holy spirit there's this concept of the wild goose where you don't know what's going to happen. You could have this happen, that happen, and it's an uncomfortable place to be in. So I, this is my theory. Um, most people like the organization. Like even me, I'm teaching right now, very organized. We're teaching, you know, by the Holy Spirit. Well, just pure Holy Spirit, just some people are uncomfortable. Now, do I think that's a mistake? I do. I think it's a mistake. I think we should be um, doing more of Holy Spirit teaching and and seeing more manifestation of or or demonstration demonstrating what's happening by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, but yeah, you are correct. There is not as much teaching about the Holy Spirit um, publicly, though that teaching exists mm -hmm. um, in I think all denominations, Catholic, Protestant, they all have a teaching on the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. because it's huge in the in the scriptures. Um, 
but they don't teach it publicly because it doesn't have a good organizational impact. Okay. <laughs> it just doesn't. Because, because what are you going to do? You know, people are, are, you know, and then, and then um, they're not comfortable with people um, engaging in spiritual activity apart from them. So if you let them know, well, the Holy Spirit lives in you, you can interact with God on your own, that makes them nervous. They're like, well, what if they do something that's, you know, not okay with our denomination? How are we going to handle that? And you, then they're going to come back to us and say, well, you told us the Holy Spirit can teach me, you know? So there's some lack of control. Uh, right. And so the organization provides that for you by not teaching you a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. Even in, you know, so we were a part of a church that is what you would consider um, Pentecostal or charismatic, where they teach, they're supposed to anyway, teach about the Holy Spirit a lot. We would teach on the Holy Spirit once a year minimum. I mean, maximum, once a year, once a year. And it would be like one month or, or a couple weeks of teaching on the Holy Spirit. They would put that into their, you know, the rotation of teaching. And most of the kind of Holy Spirit teaching churches do that now. And I noticed that at the time, a lot of denominational people would come to these churches in order to hear the teaching on the Holy Spirit, and they wouldn't teach them only once a year because what happens is, is when that teaching would start, there's another group of people that don't want to hear that teaching. And so that group would get very offended when you taught on the Holy Spirit, whereas this other group that actually came from the denominations wanted to hear it, were excited. So they balanced it by teaching it once a year. And so I think if you go to any modern church, even in this area, you will probably hear a teaching on the Holy Spirit once a year. I think that's probably the maximum amount of teaching they will do. Now, there are other churches that are more like what I would call Holy Spirit churches, and they just teach on the Holy Spirit every week. <laughs> so, so I think, you know, it's just interesting. You know, there are interesting observations. This is just my view on it. Um, there are larger superstructures within the church system that actually outline this probably very clearly. You teach this, you don't teach that. You teach this, you don't teach that. Very structured in how it, how it works. Um, even in the ones that appear to be independent, um, there is an understood, non-spoken agreement of the kind of things that you do. And if you... Pat, if you so like a lot of times when you have like heavy structure, like some denominations are really structured well, and, and they can outline everything like in a Bible school and you can go to and they can tell you this is what you talk about, this is what you don't talk about, you do this once a year, do that twice a year, make sure you follow all the religious days, all that kind of stuff, yeah. that everybody loves that stuff, that's what you want to do, right? Then other ones are more like, we're open, we're free, and you're like, okay, and you're like, but what if I cross over this line here? Oh, yeah, now they don't talk to you. <laughs> you know, so there's an understood um, process within teaching either codified or non-codified. Yeah, something all of a sudden just changed. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, uh, <laughs> in the 1950s and the 1960s, they had a thing called the charismatic renewal. Wow. And in, in Catholic churches, Protestant churches, Methodist churches, all the different denominations, they were teaching about the Holy Spirit. Uh -huh. And it was about um, the charismatic gifts, the giftings of the Holy Spirit, the, the gifts that, that are spoken of by the Apostle Paul that were given to the church. And so there's a whole section in the book of 1 Corinthians about these gifts and how they operate in the church and things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, and then it kind of disappeared for a while. Mm -hmm. And people started to just be taught. Right. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, 
It changed, yeah. 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 Well, the other thing, too, that's really neat that I think that is an aspect that we don't teach either is the fact that in our relationship with God, we have almost like a distinction in the Trinity between the times we spend with Yeshua, Jesus, the times we spent with the Father God, and the times we spend with the Holy Spirit. You know, and, and this interaction with with these with the nature of God and who he is because he's it's one God right God is one but there's three in one right so there's three in one so so how is that possible I don't know I don't try to explain it and all they had all little teachings on it and none of them really is the proper interpretation of it it just is what it is you know it is in other words the the concept is what the concept is and um and so what God has done is he's given us this opportunity to interact with. So a lot of times when I go into the garden of my heart, I'm with Jesus. I mean, Jesus and I, we, we hang out in the garden all the time. And, um, but I'm me and you're you. And I know some people, when they go into the garden of their heart, they've actually had times where they spent with the father, you know, and then they would go to his garden in their heart. So there's this interaction in the spirit that there's no definition necessarily of what you're supposed to do or not to do because why would you define your relationship with somebody that is in your family? That's your relationship. You know, let them be who they are in Christ. Let them discover the things of God. The teachers that are brought in, the heaven that teach the, the substance that comes from heaven, those teachers are teaching alongside of what Jesus is already teaching you, but pointing out the fact that you are being taught by the Lord, and I'm just coming here to remind you of that, and, and these are the kind of things he's been teaching you, and I'm going to share some more about that in the audible realm so you can hear it too. So you're having it happening in the spirit, but now you're actually hearing it too with your ears. So now you know there's an agreement now. So who's the one that does the teaching? The spirit. We're taught by the Lord, the spirit of the Lord. So a lot of what we do, especially in these kind of things, they're happening by the spirit. The spirit of God himself is teaching us the ways, because who better to teach you about himself than God himself? So what we're doing is we become channels of God. We become, you know, the scripture uses the word an oracle. You become an oracle, you speak the words of God, and in speaking the words of God, everybody is blessed. A lot of people are not in a position to speak the words of God because we're so um, fixated on our own self. So we're trying to find some way of communicating uh, a truth out of our own soul instead of speaking by the Spirit. So, but that's changing. There's more people that are going to be speaking by the Spirit, and um, and that's a thing. So a lot of times with with ministers, we can be we can rely on what we knew. That's like that's a trap <laughs> because you can say, well, I always do this and I always do that and I always do this. And then the Lord's like, well, what if you don't do that? And I'll be like, well, I don't know. What if I don't do that? What's going to happen then? He's like, I don't know. Maybe you should trust me. And I'll be like, maybe I will. <laughs> you know, because I do. I trust him. Yeah. But that's what I say. A lot of times people don't move forward because they're so comfortable with where they are. They don't want to move out for, further because they're afraid. What if I get it wrong? What if I do this wrong? What if I say that wrong? What if this and that? Yeah. You know, and trust me, if you say something wrong, 
There's plenty of people that have pointed out. <laughs> Don't have to worry about that. They'll come right at you, you know. But, but in the garden of our hearts, in our relationship with God is safe. You can speak to him from your heart, okay? Now, a lot of times we speak out of our soul. I'm just letting you know. A lot of times we're like, I spoke to the Lord out of my heart, all right, and I gave him a piece of my mind. I'd be like, well, that would totally be your soul. <laughs> so your soul's untrained. It says silly things, you know, and the Lord knows that. But when you've been taught and you know better, well, then just stop doing the childish things and start speaking more mature with the Lord because you know who you are in him, you know, but it's doing it from the point of love. Not from a point of, oh, I should know better. I better not do this. Well, do it from your heart. You know, if there's something really bothering you, tell the Lord. He can handle it. You know, people are like, oh, God can't handle uh, some my unbelief. Your unbelief is just a non-thing. It's, it's a non-thing. You know, it, it really doesn't even exist. It's just something you've engaged with that doesn't exist. That would be unbelief. Unbelief is engaging in a non-existent thing. So what, what does unbelief produce? Nothing, because it is nothing. But what has God given you? He's given you his faith. Have the faith of God, Jesus said. Oh, how do I have that much faith, Jesus? You know, you just cursed a fig tree and it withered up from the roots, like, in a day. How do I get that faith? And Jesus is like, you don't. Take God's faith. That's God's faith. <laughs> what made that wither up from the roots was God's faith. Have the faith of God. It's a gift. <laughs> Remember what I said. This brings me back to the beginning. When he gives you the seed, that's the faith. That's the trust. He's saying, I have put into your hand something so great, and it looks so tiny right now. But the only reason it looks tiny is because you're looking at a seed. That's the only thing it is. It's just a seed. But it's not just a seed. It's a powerful seed. When I talked about earlier about the Christians, they came into the earth. The Romans didn't know what to do with them. And they killed them because they couldn't do anything else with them. They didn't know how to defeat them. They couldn't psychologically brainwash. I mean, brainwa we think they're brainwashing well now. They didn't come close to the level of brainwashing that the Romans did. Those guys were top-notch brainwashers. They, they could do propaganda and brainwashing unlike any modern government in the world. I'm telling you, Rome was the top. It doesn't get any better than Rome. Once Rome fell, it's all downhill from here. And that's what, a, that's what Daniel's prophecy shows. Da after Rome, in, Dan in Daniel's vision of the, of the, um, of the statue, once it got to, after Rome, the feet were made out of clay and iron. They're never as strong as the, other, as, as the others. The Babylonians, the Medes and Persians, and the Romans were the top guys. Nobody, came, nobody will ever come close to them again because once Jesus came, their kingdoms fell. And when those kingdoms fell, those kingdoms were not going to come back. They're trying. Of course they try. I mean, we had uh, Genghis Khan. We had, you know, a whole bunch of people throughout history that were just really vicious, terrible people. I mean, the Catholic Church did a number <laughs> as well during the Middle Ages. They weren't very, very pretty, right? So we have a lot of stuff. And we had England, you know, with their navel, you know, and now we have America, right? But we see a more fractured control. It's not centralized like it used to be. It's fractured. You can't, like, they have some places in, in the earth, in, like, Europe, where they have these um, uh, representatives, and there's so many different representatives, they can't ever decide on anything because there's so many different opinions about everything. Nobody, they can never come to agreement, so they literally don't do anything. 
because they just argue about everything every single time they meet. You know, so that's kind of where we are. It's just a big mess. There's no central. They're trying to make a central command, but even their central command is just a mess too. And everyone's like, look, they're over here. They're trying to do it hidden in a hidden way, but, it, but everything's being exposed. They can't even hide anymore. So that's what I'm trying to say. We're coming into an, another age. What's going to happen? Well, there may be a lot of chaos. Just I'm just warning everyone, but not chaos in us, not confusion in us. As a matter of fact, I believe at the same time that there's a lot of chaos in the world, there's going to be a lot of manifestation of the glory of God coming through us. I think it's going to come at the same time. I believe that as the world systems are falling apart and confusion and chaos and, 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 um, and um, you know, a lack of direction or, or, or a lack of um, cohesiveness within the world, at that time where that's happening, it's there, it's there for a reason. It's to, it's to show us that the way is in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven. Everything good comes from him. It comes from within our heart in, in Christ. And people are going and looking for some other great awakening and great this. And they're looking out here and it's not there. They did the same thing when Rome fell. When Rome fell, they were like, well, well or not when Rome fell, when Jerusalem fell. They were like, Jesus, what, what's going to happen? When are these things going to happen? When, when, you know, when, are, when is the temple going to be destroyed? They were really concerned. That's their whole world. And I think we're coming into a place now where even our fractured control, global control, is starting to fall apart. But God's put within us the hope of glory, Christ in us. What are these new systems going to look like? That's a great question. That's going to be something that we do. That's going to be something that we're going to be making decisions. You know what Jesus said? He said, or, or Paul said, he said, don't you know that you will judge angels? That's what he said. Don't you know where you're headed? Don't you realize that we're actually going to be part of judging angels? That's a much different place than we think we would be, isn't it? So what's going to happen to the earth? That's up to us, right? Now, where, what do I mean by us? I mean about us seated with him in heavenly places. Decisions are made in heaven. Decisions are made in heaven, guys. We come into agreement with them on the earth. If we see ourselves in heavenly places and we say, well, what's it like in heaven? Let's agree with that on the earth. Some of these things, I, I know stories of some of the ancient, um, they're not an that ancient, but they're some of what we would call our spiritual fathers, okay, in the faith. Um, not like our heavenly father, but we just call them fathers of the faith or 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 good examples, you know, saints, the, the um, Catholic Church calls them. But, but these are men and women throughout time who have stepped over into this realm that I'm talking about, okay? And there was one guy, and his name was Columba. And he was over in the British island areas. And um, he would actually meet and counsel with angels at night on the beach, and nobody even knew this until some of his followers <laughs> secretly followed him because he would go and pray all through the night. And they would see him on the beach and other figures would appear and they would appear. They were angels, people from the cloud of witnesses. And they were having these discussions about things. It's always in the light of the Father. You don't worship angels. You don't worship saints. They, that is not what that's about. 
they are co-laborers with us. The angels work with us. We're, we're working together towards the same goal. Right, we recognize them. Those that are in the cloud, we call it the great cloud of witnesses. That's the church in heaven. We're working together towards a thing in the light of the Father's love. We're all moving together in the same direction. We're co-laborers. We're co-create. We're, we're the we're creators as as human race, and the angels are there with us. We're assisting assisting us. Okay, so there's something in the heart of God. There's something deep within the mysteries of Christ that He's revealing to the earth that's happening over time. He's not just laying it all out. Why is that? Because it's there to be discovered by the sons of God, and as we mature. As sons of God, as we grow up into the knowledge of who we are in God, God will start to reveal these things to us by the Holy Spirit. You see? So the Holy Spirit, this is, because remember what Jesus said. He goes, I'm going to leave here physically, but, but when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. You see? So when we're interacting with the things of God, we are doing that by the Spirit of God. You see, so the Holy Spirit is doing a lot. There's a lot going on. And when the message of, of the cross, the message of Jesus is declared, Jesus died for your sins. Jesus declares you righteous. You are holy now. That message, when that message is spoken and that message is declared, the Holy Spirit comes and he confirms that word everywhere you go and you speak that word. So again, we explain mysteries, right? But the first time that you hear, the first mystery and the greatest mystery of all is the mystery of Christ. So if you meet a person and they don't know Christ, start there. Now, I'm going a little further because guess what? There's more to it, you know? There's other aspects of this beautiful diamond that's been given to us, different facets that we can explore. Are they important? Yes, they are. Jamin, you should just teach on what's important. Well, guess what? Exploring Christ is important. Understanding the mysteries of the kingdom is so important to us. Why is that? Because we're in this kingdom. We're in the kingdom of heaven. Oh, people aren't ready for that. People are ready for that. This is what they're looking for. They want to know what's going to happen. And a lot of times people don't know, so they don't say. But the word of God tells us. Oh, the word of God tells us everything's destroyed. No, the word of God tells us that we're coming into an age of light, of revelation. Yeah, something's getting destroyed. You know what's getting destroyed? Everything that's not of God is getting destroyed. Why? Because it's not good for us. It's, it's hurting us. Pride, envy, jealousy, hatred, greed, you know, lust. Those things aren't good for you. You know, if you're hungry, you should have a, have a bite to eat. But don't gorge yourself. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So there's certain degrees or certain limits. You know, there's certain things that God gave us that's the right thing and then there's the wrong thing. Why do people have envy? Because they don't know the Father. They don't realize that God loves them as much as that person they're envious of and that God has given them things just as much as he's given that person you're envious of. And if you would stop complaining and being envious and look at what God gave you, you'd be thankful. You see what I'm saying? There's a simple solution to envy. Have a relationship with God. And this is the kind of stuff that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in the Hebrew, it's um, Ruach HaKadosh. This is the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God the ho of holiness. This is a really big deal. Holiness. The Spirit of holiness. There's a lot of spirits, apparently, right? G good and bad, right? But there's a particular spirit of God, which is the Spirit of holiness.
So whenever you see, I'm in the spirit and holiness is coming from you, you're in the spirit of holiness. That comes from God. A lot of these, and you're right, and a lot of these spirits, people are like, oh, I'm in the spirit, and they're going, doing some weird stuff, and then you find out that there's a lot of funky, sinful stuff going on. You're like, that's not the spirit of holiness. That is a spirit. And the scripture does say that there are lots of voices and lots of spirits, and they all have like some significance to them. But we're sons of God. We move in the spirit of holiness. We move in the spirit of God. You know, I'm very careful. I've heard people sometimes, they're Bible teachers, they're, they're, but they're speaking of sin as okay. That's not the spirit of holiness. It's a spirit. But when people get up and they say, sinning is okay, you can do this sin, and you can do that sin, and it's okay. God understands that's who you are. That's not the spirit of holiness. That's another spirit. You see, you don't want to join yourself with a weird spirit. You're not going to go into the garden with that spirit. <laughs> Jesus can be like, what's that? <laughs> He'd be like, oh, let's leave that out here. We don't need that, right? Because he loves us. He loves us. He doesn't want things in our lives that hurt us. He wants us to be whole. Holiness has the word whole in it. Not like an empty hole, but wholeness. You know, he fills that hole with the spirit of holiness. So, so to conclude today, I would like us to remember to take the little thought that we have and to treasure it and to plant it. So to plant a seed means you act on it. Because planting requires some type of activity. You know, so to plant a seed means you take that thought and do something, even if it's a small thing that you do, because you've honored the seed. See what I'm saying? Planting a seed isn't a big act. It's a small act, but it is an act. And what it means is you've honored it as seed. You've honored it as seed. If you eat it, you've honored it as food, <laughs> which is the wrong thing for a seed, unless you just went and bought sunflower seeds at the store. But usually you plant the seed and don't eat it because you see the potential within it. You see the potential within the seed. When you honor a seed and you see the potential within the seed, you're honoring what God is going to do. He will energize that seed and he will bring about a major crop from that one little seed. Kindness is a seed. Kindness is a seed. It is a very, very powerful seed. Not only is it a powerful seed, it has power for you and power outside of you into time. Okay? So you do one thing now, and you might see this because there's a there's like kind of a secular teaching on this as well, a non-Christian teaching on it as well, which has you know, pay it forward, they say. And they do silly things with pay it forward. But it's not natural. There is a spiritual aspect to the kindness that is portrayed through the love of God. And what it does is it impacts the people around you and their generations. So anytime you see an opportunity to sow that seed, do it. Because <laughs> that's a very powerful seed. Now, Jesus lays hands on the sick and they recover. These are supernatural seeds. So remember that. You've got a supernatural seed of the word of God that is being released through the love of God. 
Well, how much scripture do I need to know? You need to know, love your neighbor as yourself. That's a good one to know, right? Because that does something. And so that that seed of kindness moves out throughout the earth and it changes the globe because you are operating within the love of the Father. Every time people came to Jesus and said, do something bad to that person. And Jesus would be like, I love you. <laughs> he would do it every time, wouldn't he? Anytime they would come to him, even, even ones that he's not supposed to treat good traditionally, like the Samaritans. And he'd be like, you have great faith, be it unto you. He was always kind. He always was, and he always gave, when someone asked him for something, he gave them even more than they asked for. Why is that? Because that's how it works. This type of thing, because it's not coming out of the God of the mind, the God of good deeds. I'm a good deed person. I just believe if you treat people right, you don't need God. You just treat people right. No, the goodness comes from him. When you acknowledge him, he directs you. That's when the kindness comes from the heart and not just, well, I have, because some people do things out of duty, especially in churches, because churches are big duty stuff. Like you got lots of duties, you know, you will come into church as a duty. <laughs> it starts with that one. And then there's a lot of other duties, right? So people have this feeling like I have a duty to do certain things, right? But, but God wants us to move and that's fine. That's good to have a responsible outlook. Okay. Responsibility is good. But God wants us to go even further and do things from the love of God, too. In other words, our, our soul, our emotions, the things that we're doing and why we're doing them, we really grasp the why. We know why we're doing it, and we know the impact it's having because of why we're doing it. That's a difference. Because some people are like, well, do it because I say so. Well, you know, when you get older, you're like, well, why did you say so? Well, because that's what my mom said. And you'd be like, okay, well, why did she say? Well, I don't know. Just do it, you know? So but your heart's not in it. You're doing because of duty. So God's saying, let your heart be a part of my heart so you can see it the way I see it. Because a lot of times you see people and you're like, they shouldn't be shown kindness. Look at what they did. How can I see that different? We'll stop looking at these eyes and start looking at it through the eyes of, of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now look and see what you see from the heart of love, and it looks different now. I was like, ah, how about that? <laughs> Now I'm going to see everything that way. And I'm going to show the love of God through kindness to people. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. You could say it's the kindness of God. The kindness of God leads men to repentance. Yeah, that's wrong. Yeah, they shouldn't be doing that. Show them kindness. Hey, Church of Corinth, you screwed up. Here's a bunch of gifts that you can operate in now. <laughs> I'm going to give you gifts because you're so screwed up. <laughs> Here's some gifts, right? And what's happening with the gifts? It's the goodness of God, the kindness of God. So so that, that's a little thing, but it's not little because you act on it, okay? All right. So Father, we thank you for this great day and thank you for revealing the love that you've put in us, that we would just rest in that today. We rest in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit today. We just see Jesus glorified, set on high as we proclaim him king, Hosanna in the highest, celebrating the completeness of the work that he did. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen.